So we are continuing in Luke chapter 5. We are going to be in verses 12 through 16 today. So if everybody's turned there, let me get turned there. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Let me read this for us, guys, and then I'll pray for us. Luke 5, 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Let me pray for us. Father, we just come before you once again. Lord, humbly, Father, I would just ask for Your help for me to honor You by preaching Your Word accurately and truth. I just ask that You would fill me with Your Holy Spirit to help me. I pray that You would help all of us through Your Spirit to receive Your Word, to to apply it, to obey it, not to be hearers only, but to be doers of Your Word. Father, may may we love Christ more. Father, may we be drawn closer to Him. May our lives be transformed through Your Word. And Lord, may He be glorified today and Your will be done. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're seeing today a man healed of leprosy, cleansed of leprosy. Really in this section here, the next this week and next week, chapter 5, verses 12 down through 26, we're seeing two more Healings. We've been we've been seeing that come up more often now in the Gospel of Luke. Remember what Luke is doing, guys. He's presenting Jesus as the Christ. That's what he's doing to Theophilus, the recipient of this gospel. But to all who would read, he is presenting Jesus as the Christ again through his power, his power over demons, his power over the darkness, his power over power over sickness. His miracle last week, right? And, and, and helping Peter and the others catch an innumerable amount of fish. Power over creation. We see Jesus really showing us in many of these, these, these encounters who God is, right? He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. So not only is He showing us the power of God, but I believe He's also showing us the compassionate heart of God. God is a compassionate God. But we need to model our lives after Him. He's showing us both His power and His compassion. So we see this man that comes to Jesus today to be cleansed of his leprosy. That word leprosy in the Old Testament, it was more of a general term, really for, it could have been a number of skin conditions. But when we think of leprosy, when we think of the really severe case, it's what we, now it's called Hansen's disease. So it's that really severe case of leprosy. It's, it's, very, it's, it's chronic, it's very contagious, 
It's one of the reasons they would be banished from the community. Uh, they were considered unclean, but it was also a very contagious disease of the, of the skin. It, it would manifest itself in, through sores and scabs and white shining spots beneath the skin. And so thankfully, modern medicine has almost eliminated it after, after proper methods of treatment. It's still around uh, over in places like India, but it's not real common. And so, you know, there are, there are cures now through modern medicine. And thank, aren't you guys thankful for medicine? I'm very thankful for <laughs> modern medicine, okay? Medicine is a gift from the Lord. But in ancient times, there was no cure. There was no cure for this disease. It was a dreadful disease. It was like, it was like a living death. It was a death sentence. It was really like modern day AIDS is what it was like when somebody was diagnosed with leprosy. Really hopeless. Um, it's a neurological disorder that numbs all sensitivity to pain. Have you ever thought about what that would be like if you couldn't feel pain? Pain is a good thing. And so, think of, think of somebody, if you can't feel pain, and I actually heard stories about modern day examples of, of people in these poor places that have leprosy. You know, they, they, maybe you're walking barefoot and you, you can walk over nails, you can walk over glass, and just destroy your feet and not even know it. And because of that, you become disfigured. You lose limbs and these type of things. According to Old Testament law, Obviously, not only was it an illness, very, very contagious illness, but it was, it was considered to be ceremonially unclean. You were considered unclean. You had to live outside of the community, of the, of the covenant community, outside of town. Uh, somebody who, who, who was diagnosed with leprosy was literally banished. You know, we're made, we're made for community. We're made for relationship. So that was another thing that you were, you were banished. You, you, you couldn't be with the, the community. They were considered unclean, but it was also practically to control the spread of this disease that was incurable. Now, they could be with other people, but those other people were other lepers because they couldn't be around other people. But you, and we'll see it in Luke chapter 17. We'll see an example of that when Jesus heals the ten lepers. These ten lepers were together. They, they would gather in colonies. John MacArthur says in his commentary, contrary to popular belief, leprosy does not eat away the flesh. Due to the loss of feeling, because, again, because they don't, you lose sensitivity to pain, um, especially in the hands and feet, people with the disease wear away their extremities and faces unknowingly. Chris showed me a picture today of, of, a, of a person with leprosy. And, and I forget the nickname they had it. Lion's face, something like that, because it'll make you look like a lion. It, it, it really, it's really, it can, make, it, can make person, it can make a person look outwardly very scary. And it's very, very sad. Very, very, it's a very wicked disease. The horrible disfigurement, MacArthur goes on to say, the horrible disfigurement caused by leprosy made it greatly feared and caused lepers to be outcasts, cut off from all the healthy, from all healthy society for protection. So it was a dreadful disease. Um, if, you had, if, you was a, if, you, if you had a severe case of leprosy, 
Again, it was a it was a living death. It really was. The pain that was involved of just the um, just the disease itself, just the emotional pain, the hopelessness. In the Old Testament, God would literally curse people with leprosy, meaning by giving them leprosy. Uh, a couple of examples of that. A few examples of that in Second Kings chapter five, verse twenty-five to twenty-seven. Gehazi, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was a servant of Elisha. And God struck him with leprosy because he lied, and uh, to collect to collect. Uh, after Elisha had healed Naaman, and then his servant Gehazi went and lied to him, uh, basically for money and stuff. And so God, through Elisha. Uh, struck him with with leprosy. King Uzziah in Second Chronicles chapter twenty six verses sixteen through twenty three. God struck him with leprosy because of because of his pride. He was acting as a priest. He was stepping out of his lane, you could say, and and acting as a priest. And so God struck him with leprosy. So people with leprosy were viewed as being cursed. See, that doesn't mean everybody that had leprosy was cursed, but because of these type of stories. It was commonly known if you had leprosy, God cursed you. And so this man today that we're going to see in this text, no doubt he may have thought that very thing, that he's been cursed with leprosy. But we also see God. There was no cure for leprosy in these times, but we also see a few examples in the Old Testament of people being cured miraculously by God, by the Lord, of leprosy. Moses in Exodus 4-7, now this is when... Moses was asking God at the, at the burning bush, hey, I'm going to go before your people. And how, how are they going to believe me? And so God's basically showing him how to perform a few signs to show them. And one of the signs, he said, put, put your hand in your bosom. He takes his hand out. It's white, cover of leprosy. Now he says, put your hand back in. God healed him right there just as an example. But also God healed his sister Miriam, Moses' sister, Moses and Aaron's sister, she was, she was struck with leprosy for complaining about Moses, bickering and complaining and grumbling. So God inflicted her with, uh, with, with leprosy, but then eventually healed her. That's in Numbers 12. And then Naaman, who we looked at a few weeks ago. If you remember, Jesus gave him as an example of some Gentiles that God ministered to, God demonstrated grace to, but Naaman, he was a captain of the army of the king of Syria. And he, had, he was a leper. And if you remember, God healed him miraculously through the prophet Elijah. Remember, go dip in the Jordan. Humble yourself. Listen to the prophet. But no doubt it was God who healed him. So we do have examples of people being healed from leprosy. And because without that, guys, in, in this day, without, without a miracle, it was hopeless. You were hopeless. So this man, this is what he's hoping for. This man is hoping for a miracle because he's a leper. And so if you, have a, if, you have a, uh, if you have an outline, if you have a bulletin, there's an outline on the back. I have four points today. And the first two are going to... We're going to look at this man, this leper, and we're going to see this man's desperation. And then secondly, we're going to see the man's faith. Third, we're going to see Christ, His willingness. And then really just apply the whole message to our own lives. So this man's de- desperations, this leper, guys, he was desperate. In verse 12, read verse 12. While he was in, he being Jesus, 
While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now the exact time and location of this is unknown. We just know that it's in one of the cities, and it's near the Sea of Galilee. That's where he was, that's where he was ministering at this time. It says in verse 12 that while he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. That, the other gospel writers, they did not emphasize the fact that he's covered. Only Luke, the physician, he mentions that he's covered. Okay? What that means is he had a severe case of leprosy. An advanced, severely advanced. This means he was probably one of those individuals who was pretty scary looking. Very, very advanced. Brother, what I, what I see right here just even early on, when, we think of, when you think of people like this, as we're going to see, this man comes into town. This man is desperate. He comes to Jesus. And you think of what the appearance of this, this man, and what he probably very well could have looked like, physically speaking, beloved. You and I as Christians, we should never look at somebody's physical appearance, right? Judge people by their physical appearance. We can see the heart of our God even in, even in something as, as small as that. But this man, he was in a hopeless condition. In, in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 8-2, it says he came to Jesus. So it's not just that it's not that just that Jesus was going along and stumbled upon a leper. This man sought Jesus out. He sought Jesus out. He came to Jesus. This would have been a violation of the law. In Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, I believe it is, are the verses where they're they're to be put out of the community. Banished. The word I'm thinking of. Um, the word we've been using the last few years uh, with, the, with the COVID. What's the word I'm thinking of? Quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> he was quarantined. Because this stuff really was very contagious. He was unclean. But he's desperate. Beloved, he is desperate, obviously, physically. Think how desperate emotionally he is. Socially. Again, we're made to be around other people. Think what it would be like to be banished from your family, from your friends, from the community. Let's just say as a Christian, from the church. And you're banished, you're put out, you're, you're, you're unclean. You've got this horrible disease. The sentence of death is upon you because there's no cure. This man is desperate and he is at the place where he has nothing to lose. What's the worst thing Jesus can say? No. He has nothing to lose. So just picture the scene. Let's try to picture the scene. This is not out in the wilderness. It says while he was in one of the cities. While Jesus was in one of the cities, don't know which city it was, but it was a populated area. This man evidently came into town. He had probably heard about Jesus, heard about His healings, heard about the healer. He came into his town with his with his sores all over him, probably his disfigured body. Think about parents and mothers with their children walking around. And here comes this leper. This man was desperate. This was desperation. You know, desperation will drive a person to do that which he normally wouldn't do. Do you agree with that? Sometimes that can be bad. 
Sometimes that can be good. Desperation is what drives people to kill themselves. I know I've told many of you in this room, or I don't want to say many, a few of you I know I have, this story, but I know, I know everybody in here has not heard this story. Speaking of a man being desperate, I've told the people in our church when we go door to door to just, uh, hey, don't, don't be discouraged. Even if they don't open the door, we're leaving a, we're leaving a flyer with our information about our church, but more importantly, with a gospel message in it. So I have a friend over in Ireland. About 10 or 12 years ago, he left a... Uh, he, 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 was, he was going out in the, in, the, in the little city where he lived in Ireland. He was going out to hand out tracts, and he said, he said, something just told me to go this way. I usually didn't go this way. I went down this particular street to these particular houses. And he would go, and he would, he would put tracts in the, in the little mail... The, the doors over there... Slip them where you put the mail in and it goes in the door, lands on the floor. And so he was doing that one morning. I forget how long after this, a few months I think. There was a visitor in the church. And they were, they were back at the back of the church talking, either before or after church. And this guy had a... They, they were standing around talking and, and I think it was Desmond, or maybe the guy, they, one of them had the track in their hands. And... And the guy said, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's the track that was left at my house. And Desmond was like, what? He goes, I, I order these from the United States. And so they got to talking. And this guy said, yeah. He said, about three months ago, on a Saturday morning, I had a rope hung in my kitchen and I was standing up on the table with the noose around my neck. I was about to take my life. My life was over. I was about to kill myself. And I literally prayed to the Lord. Lord, if you don't want me to kill myself, you're going to have to show me a sign. And then I heard something at the front door. And it was Desmond's tract that he had slipped in the front door. And God saved him that day. Beloved, you see, that's desperation. Desperation, the devil, the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy, he wants to take somebody in a desperate situation and lead them to do something as drastic as suicide. But beloved, we have the hope of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the hope, the answer for the desperate. There's people walking around in our city, in our families, that they're desperate. They're desperate for hope of some kind. They're desperate for answer. No doubt this man would have been desperate. This man knew he had no future. He had... He had his life, it was a death sentence. He had this awful disease. This depicts how a sinner is to come to Christ in desperation. That's what drove this man to walk into town and seek Jesus out. You know what, you know what this man was not concerned about? Public opinion. It didn't matter if he looked like a lion, if he was missing an arm, if he was missing a foot. This man wanted to find Jesus. He came walking into town. He came to Jesus and it says He fell on His face. There was a man covered with leprosy and when he saw Jesus, he fell on His face. Matthew says He bowed down before Him in worship. Isn't it beautiful when, when we see people bowing down before Jesus and Jesus never says, no, don't do that. 
That's what we were telling a guy yesterday. A Jehovah's Witness. We're trying to show him from the Scriptures. Jesus received worship. But it says he, he bowed down before Him, beloved. This man, this man that was no doubt, because I know how people are, right? I know how people are in society. People who don't know Christ. Making judgments of, of somebody's physical appearance. No doubt he would have been mocked and shunned. And, Get out of here. People running from me. This is a man that's made in God's image. You see the compassion of our God here. This man's no different than you and I. He implore, it says he implored him. You know what that means? There was urgency. He says he fell down, he, he, he fell on his face and implored him. This is an urgent request. Lord, he says, Lord. So he, he obviously understands. Maybe he doesn't understand completely who he is yet, but he knows that, much like Nicodemus, you couldn't do these things unless you're from God. He understands he's from God. And you know what he understands? This man understands in his desperation that he will perish. That he's going to perish. He's going to die a slow, ugly death if this man can't help him. And so he's imploring him. He's begging him. He's begging him. When's the last time, beloved, you told a sinner out of love, you need to beg God Beg God to save you. That's why He came. He came to save. This man is desperate for Jesus Christ right here. For cleansing. To the one, he, he knows this is the only one who can help him. Are we desperate for Jesus as Christians? Are we desperate to, to come to Him? To be near Him? To have His daily cleansing in our life? Are you desperate for Him? This man was desperate for Him. That's the first thing we see about this man, this leper, with this dreadful disease. As he was, his, we see his desperation. Secondly, we see his faith in verse twelve. It says he fell on his face and implored him. Right there's that urgency, saying, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean." One thing that we can see just through this statement. He believed in His power. He knew Jesus could do it. He believed in the power of Jesus. And so this, this phrase, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is really a statement of humility. Demonstrating His humility. He's approaching Jesus in humility. In other words, He's not coming up to the Son of God making a demand. You need to heal me. Now He understands He has the ability to, but He's submitting to. He's submitting to the... The fact that he knows in, in some way in his mind, he knows that this man is sovereign and powerful. And he can heal him if he chooses to. I know, in other words, Lord, I know you're able, but will you heal me? Will you cleanse me? So unlike the faith healers that we hear, the phonies that you see on TV, you know, they would criticize this form of humble submission. Right, they would mock this. You ever heard? Have you ever heard one of the health and wealth teachers mock this? Mock people who you're praying, God, if it's your will. That's the way the scriptures tell us to pray. But these men would mock that because these men are arrogant. But that's not what this. That's that's not how this man approaches. This is humble submission to the Lord. 
Again, not doubting his ability, he's actually demonstrating his strong faith that he can do it. We see this man's faith. It's the same faith that a sinner must have. Somebody who approaches Christ must come to Him out of a sense of desperation and the humble belief that Jesus can save. Do you have that humble belief that Jesus can save? Have you cried out to God? Have you cried out to Jesus to save you? What does Paul say in Romans 10 verse 9? That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, there's the submission, and believe in our heart that God is raising from the dead, we will be saved. That's reverent faith. We approach Jesus as Lord and believe that He died for our sins. Believe that He rose again and we're willing to submit to Him. You see, this man knew that he could not heal himself. Isn't that amazing, guys? That I would I would venture to guess most people understand that they can't kill themselves physically, but you think of how many how many people think that somehow they can save themselves spiritually through what they do. This man knew he couldn't he couldn't save himself, and nobody else could help him. He had one hope: it's either Jesus or I perish. That needs to be the mentality when we come to Christ. For spiritual cleansing, it's either Jesus or I perish. And that's what we must communicate to people. People, by and large, aren't desperate to be saved. Amen. Do you ever notice that? Where's the desperation from our culture for Jesus Christ? People are desperate to win the lottery. You ever, you ever walk in a convenience store and see all the money they I mean, all the time they invest and money they spend to win the lottery and ruin their lives? People are desperate for money. People are desperate for attention. Desperate for praise. Desperate for all these things that will perish. But they're not desperate for their souls. Therefore, they have no reason in their minds to trust in Jesus for salvation. Oh, beloved, this man was desperate. And this man believed that Jesus could save him. He approaches him humbly. A person with leprosy was unclean. Was unclean. But let's be reminded what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 64.6. All of us. Who's the all of us? All of those who descended from Adam. That's every single one of us. All of us have become like one who is unclean. You and I are unclean from head to toe with something much worse than leprosy. With sin. Our sin makes us unclean from head to toe. And every person that's still in Adam, right? You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. There's no, there's no middle ground. We're either, in, we're either in Adam and Adam represents sin and death or we're now in the second Adam in Christ where we have been cleansed, we've been given new life. And so all, it says all of us have become like one who is unclean. We are unclean from the soles of our foot to the top of our heads. And where does this come from? The sin? I think Jesus gives us a good picture of that in Matthew 15, 18-20 where He says, speaking to the Pharisees, their hypocritical religion, it's all outward, right? Jesus says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murder, 
adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. He said these things are what defile a person. These things are what make a person unclean. Not whether you eat with unwashed hands. Not, he said it's not the things that go in that make us clean, right? Not, not the foods. This is where he declared all foods clean. Now, it's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's not eating with unclean hands that makes you unclean. It's not anything outward. It's all inward. These things that flow out of our hearts reveal the uncleanness that's in our hearts. It's much more fatal than even leprosy. Beloved, this leper, his was a, a slow death. And he knew it. Without a cure... Without a miracle, he was going to suffer a slow death. And sinners are dead in sin. We must never forget that. They're dead in sin. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. It would be much better to be covered with leprosy from head to toe and have your sins forgiven and cleansed than to be perfectly healthy and to be spiritually dead. So we see this man's desperation. We see this man's faith. And now third, in verse 13, we're going to see Christ's willingness. Christ's willingness. In Mark's Gospel, well, let me read verse 13 first. And He stretched out His hand. Jesus, He stretched out His hand and touched Him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left Him. In Mark's Gospel, He's the only one of the three synoptic writers, Gospels, that says He was moved with compassion. That was His motive. He was moved with compassion. This is Again, again this is the one, Jesus, who He is showing us who God is. He, is show, he said, if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. And this is, this is one of those times through Mark's pen, that we know that Jesus is showing the compassion of His Father. Beloved, are you thankful for the compassion of God? Without His compassion, you and I would be hopeless. We're, we're like the leper, right? Spiritually speaking. We're the man, who's, man the woman who, who, who's dead in their sin... But like in Ephesians 2, there is no but God. You know, in Ephesians 2, we're dead in our sins, children of wrath. But God! But God saved us. There would be no but God if He was not compassionate. Leviticus 5.3 says that somebody, I'm paraphrasing here, somebody who touches that which is unclean, they become unclean. Verse 13 it says, And He, Jesus, stretched out His hand and touched him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Jesus reversed it because of who He was. He didn't make Jesus unclean. Jesus made Him clean. You know, that's how different Jesus is than us. That's how different He is. That's how other He is. That's how holy He is. That's how... He's in another category in His deity. He said, I am willing. I am willing to be cleansed. And it says He touched Him. You know, Jesus frequently healed with the touch. We've already looked at how 
Jesus performed many of these signs just through a word, right? Told the demon, be gone. Healed, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed multitudes. He had Peter cast the net one side of the boat and caught a ton of fish. With a word, right? With a word, he can raise a dead sinner. With a word, the nations will stand before him and be judged. With a word, but here we see also in the scriptures they also frequently healed with a touch. We see the humanity part of it. You know, the, the touching, the compassion. It's an act of compassion. You know, we, we as Christians, we should model that in our lives. Touch is good. We're made for relationship. A, a pat on the back. A hug. Proper hug, obviously. The point is, is that don't ever think... Don't ever be... Don't ever think you're too good to stoop low enough to hug somebody that maybe the culture would demons. Stay away from that person. As Christians, we shouldn't be like that. We see Jesus touching this man. A few other verses, if you want to jot them down, Luke, it's all in Luke, chapter 4, verse 40, chapter 7, verse 14, chapter 13, verse 13, just other times where He healed with a touch. Beloved, touching a leper was, it was unprecedented. You didn't touch lepers. No one in Israel, especially a rabbi, would defile, would defile himself by touching a leper. Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you glad that He's willing to touch that which is unclean? I'm glad He touched me. I was much more unclean than this leper. I know that. I know my heart. And Jesus Christ touched me. Aren't you glad that He's a friend of sinners? How could He cleanse any of us if He was unwilling to touch that which is unclean? But He reached into the depths of my putrid heart and, and took it out and gave me a new one. Because He knew how unclean I was. And you too, if you're sitting here today and you know Christ, He removed your unclean heart and He gave you a clean heart. A heart that loves God. A heart that loves His Word. A heart that loves righteousness. And it says, immediately, there's our word again, immediately the leprosy left him. There's no, no gradually getting better, right? Just like the demon, when he said, demon be gone, he was gone. When, the, when he commanded the fever to leave, Peter's mother-in-law, it left with a word, with a touch. There's no lingering recovery. This is nothing fake like the faith healers. There's no, give me your money. If you have enough faith, you give me enough money, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll heal you. I'll make you clean. None of that. Like I mentioned earlier, praise God that, that modern medicine can cure these type of things nowadays. Leprosy. But, but what modern medicine cannot do, it cannot restore the disfigured damage that's already been done. But Jesus does. He not only cleanses them of His leprosy, He restores this man. Completely and fully. This is the power of God. He makes this man whole physically. Does He not do that with us? What, is it, what does it say in His Word? If, if anyone is in Christ, He's kind of different. 
No, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Newness. Wholeness. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. This is speaking of cleanness. Beloved, He made you clean in His eyes. He made you new. You were an ugly caterpillar and now you're a beautiful butterfly. That's the word. That's the word in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Metamorphosis, is that the right word? That's the language. He makes us into new creatures. Praise God, He makes us new. Yes, He's willing. To answer the question, yes, He's willing. He's willing to cleanse this leper. And praise God that He's willing. And then fourthly, guys, His blood will cleanse us. His blood will cleanse us. That's why we were singing about the blood today. His blood will cleanse us. This is in verse 14. And He ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You ever, you ever just kind of wondered about this verse when you're reading, you know? I used to wonder about it a lot. It's, like, it's just kind of odd. What is, he, what is all this? And so he was made clean. Jesus made him clean. But the priests, think of the priests. Their, their role here, think of the priests as health inspectors. So Jesus made him clean, but the priests needed to certify that he was clean so that he could be welcomed back to the community, the synagogues, and the temple. He had to follow the Mosaic Law, or, or what the Mosaic Law stated. In doing so, this would be a public affirmation of His cleansing and healing. Now I'm just going to read part of that passage that I read earlier. Um, Leviticus 14, just 1-7. through 7. Just about every commentator I've read, every theologian I've read, believes that this is the passage that Jesus is referring to here. When He says, go... He ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Primarily the first seven verses, is what, or that's what I'm going to read. Leviticus 14, 1-7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out, to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live, clean birds and cedarwood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedarwood and the scarlet string and the hyssop and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. This is a rather obscure passage. It really is. I mean, it just is. Most guys didn't even have any comments on it. Um, But one thing I want to... want Something very simple that I want to remind you of. When we're reading the law, when we're reading ceremonial aspects of the law like this, remember that all of these things are shadows of something greater to come, and it's Christ. Okay, the law. He 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 told his disciples, 
The, the, all of these things and, and, and Moses, the writings of Moses and the prophets, they all pointed to me. So we can know that. And so it's always remembered. See, we have the New Testament now. And, and so it's always important to remember that we read passages in the Old Testament in light of our New Testament now. That's how you read these things, or else you can get into all kinds of strange things. It's really having a Christ-centered hermeneutic. We read the Old Testament with, in light of the New. Because the New Testament is the Old Testament in many ways revealed. And so that's what... I want to read one man who did... who I think gave uh, a little commentary on this, on this verse 14 was, was the Baptist in the 18th century John Gill. He says this, guys, really with this with what I just mentioned, this lens, right? This, this Christ-centered lens as we look at this passage. This, again, it's, it's, just, it's just kind of obscure. I've, I've thought that for many years as I read this. You know, he heals this guy and then he says, hey, go and, and offer your sacrifice like Moses. And I, I just always never really looked into it. But this is what John Gill says about it. He said, two birds were to be taken clean and alive, which were both typical of Christ and pointed to the meekness of His human nature, His innocence, harmlessness, and purity, and they had, that He had a life to lay down. One of these was to be killed in an earthen vessel over running water, showing that Christ must be killed. His blood must be shed for the cleansing of leprous sinners. The earthen vessel demoted His human nature, His flesh, in which was put to death. And the running water signified the purifying nature of His blood and the contained virtue of it to cleanse from all sin. And the blood and the water mixed together may put us in mind of the blood and water which flowed from the side of Christ when pierced with the spear, which was an emblem of our justification and sanctification being both from Him, on account of which He is said to come both by water and blood. That's 1 John 5 and 6. Or 1 John 5 verse 6. The other bird, after it was dipped with cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop in the blood of the slain bird, was let go alive, which typified the resurrection of Christ, who was put to death in the flesh and quickened in the spirit, and who rose again for the justification of his people from all sin. I know one thing that all the blood sacrifices in the Old Testament was pointing to the one, was pointing to the one and greater sacrifice. That the, that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But it was pointing to the Lamb of God who came into this world to give His life as a ransom. So these things were written, Jesus says, about me in the law of Moses. And so where does the hope of our cleansing come from, Beloved? As we kind of wrap this whole thing up, where does the hope of our cleansing come from? Does it come from the fact that Jesus is God, His deity? Yes. The fact that He has the power to do it? Yes. But ultimately, it comes from the blood that He shed. We are cleansed through the blood. The song that we sang, the, the Scripture that we looked at in Hebrews. We are cleansed, we are sanctified through the blood of of Jesus Christ that He shed on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's what all of these things 
pointed to. Rather than getting in the weeds of what every little thing is represented, we know that this is a picture of Christ shedding His blood to cleanse leprous sinners. The cross of Jesus Christ is where our sin, where our uncleanness was put on Him. All of our uncleanness. All of those sins of the heart that Jesus spoke of a while ago that I read out of Matthew 15 was put on Him on the cross. Our depravity, our uncleanness, our rebellion, our lawlessness was placed on Christ on the cross so that He could pay our sin debt. So that we could be cleansed. 1 John 1.7 says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All cleansing from sin. All, every cleansing. All cleansing. Any cleansing that will ever happen is because of the blood that He shed upon the cross. There will be no cleansing apart from the cross. It's like I was talking to Jamie yesterday. As we were walking through the neighborhood, a good question to ask somebody who believes in a a religion of works righteousness. Ask them the question. How are your sins going to be forgiven? Works do not forgive sins. That's really the bottom line. How are your sins going to be forgiven? And it's only through blood. It's only through a blood sacrifice that we are cleansed from our sin. No amount of works can forgive sin. No amount of works can wash away sin. No amount of works can cleanse a a sinner's heart. And so to wrap this up in closing, beloved, His blood blood will cleanse us. And in the bottom of your bulletin, three sub-points that we'll look at real quickly and finish. His blood will cleanse us, first of all, if we are desperate. If we are desperate. Like the leper. When a person gets to the point that they're unconcerned about public opinion. They're unconcerned about what others may think. You know, there's a lot of people, they realize, yeah, I, I, I realize I'm a sinner. And I'm not right with God, but there's so much i got to give up. And they're not willing to. They're not desperate. They don't realize that they're a heartbeat away from hell. If they really, really realize that, they'd be in a sense of desperation. If they could have spiritual eyes to see what awaits them because of their sin. But they're not. But His blood will cleanse us if we're desperate. When you're unconcerned about others, what others think, and you just realize that I need Christ, lest I perish. I'm going to perish without Him, and I need Him no matter... If I lose my family, if I lose my friends, if I'm all alone, I need Jesus Christ. And there's an urgency with it, right? Like the leper, he was urgent. He implored him. 2 Corinthians 6.2 Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I need Christ and I need Him now. Have you come to Christ with that kind of desperation for cleansing? Because His blood will cleanse you. If you come to Him desperately, when you realize, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I remember coming to Christ at the age of 22 and it was was desperation. 
And for the first time in my life, I, I realized how unclean I was. Lord, you must save me. Will you really? There's a desperation to it when we realize the monsters we are spiritually. His blood will cleanse us. Secondly, if we believe. If we're desperate and if we believe. Again, Romans 10.9 That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Or Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Listen to this. You will be saved. Jesus says in Mark 1.15 Repent and believe the Gospel. His blood will cleanse any sinner who comes to Him in desperation and wants to be cleansed, is willing to believe and to repent and to believe in Christ, not as a way, but the way. Right? He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. Come and give me a try. If you don't like me, go down the road and try this. Muhammad or somebody else. No. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A person must come to Him in desperation. A person must come to Him in simple faith and be willing to repent, turn from sin, and trust in Christ alone. And at last, His blood will cleanse us. First of all, if we're desperate, if we believe, and His blood will cleanse us for or because He is able and He is willing. He's both able and willing. Isn't that great? Jamie, you remember Bill Calloway? I don't know if you remember him saying this, but he said, my favorite thing about Jesus saving sinners is that He's able. (laughs) If He was willing, but He wasn't able, we'd be in trouble. But if He was able and unwilling, we'd be in trouble. But Jesus is both able and willing. Listen to Hebrews 7.25. He is able. He is able to save forever. Your version may say to the uttermost or completely. He is able to save forever. Not just for a million years. I'm glad he's not, I'm just not his for a million years. And then he says, well, now you're on your own. You've got to earn it. No, it says he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's praying for us even now. To keep us. We don't even keep ourselves saved. He does through His power. Look what it says in verse 16. Because I don't want to forget verses 15 and 16. But Jesus Himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. We just saw that, I think, a couple weeks ago as well. That was His pattern. Slipping away to get with the Father, right? Always trusting in His... Spending time with His Lord to be strengthened, right? Because He was man as well. What a pattern that is for us. But oh, this is encouraging that not only did He pray in His humanity while He was on earth, while He was on earth, but He is interceding for us even now. He's continuing that habit even now. Going before His Father, interceding for us. He is able. He's also willing. Isaiah 45.22 The Lord says to the prophet Isaiah, Look to Me and be saved. Look to Me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Look to Me. Beloved, He was willing to save that vile man on the cross right next to Him. 
He was willing to save him. You remember the vile man on the cross that was mocking him and blaspheming him? And then he looked to him. The man was desperate. He realized he was being sentenced to death, justly so, for his sin, even his crimes. And there's only one he could look to. The same one the leper could look to. The same one you can look to. The only one we can look to. And he looked at him. Just like this passage says. That's all the guy could do was look. Couldn't get down, couldn't be baptized, couldn't knock on doors and earn it that way. Couldn't give money. Like Alistair Begg said, I can't wait to meet that guy. (laughs) You made it. What did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. He was willing to save that man who, who no doubt lived a vile life. And he was on, he was on, you know, if you call it the twelfth hour, he was on eleven hours and fifty-nine minutes and fifty-nine seconds of nothing but sin. And Jesus was willing to save him. If you're not saved, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus Christ. He is able and he is willing. And then just really in closing, I don't want to just skip over 15, but it says the news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Let me read Mark's Gospel real quickly. Mark 1, 44 and 45 and then make a note here and we will finish. Mark 1, 44 and 45, his account, and he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But Mark adds this, But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed in the unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. So unfortunately... This man ignored Jesus' instruction. He didn't do what he said. And as a result, this would hinder Jesus' mission and divert people away from His message. His message was that of forgiveness of sins. Because really what happened, we see in verse 15 back in Luke, the news about Him was spreading even further and large crowds were gathering to hear Him to be healed of their sickness. Really, It was almost a mob mentality. These crowds were coming primarily for the miracles, for the healings. They they were coming for the healing. No doubt there would have been those thinking that that the Messiah is here to rescue them from the Romans. That's why you hear Jesus saying things like, don't be be telling anybody right now. It wasn't wasn't His time yet for all to know because of this reason. And so, although he's willing to heal, amen, he's willing to heal, that's what we're we're seeing. Like, week after week, that he's healing people. And he did. Although he's willing to heal, he's performing miracles, he's performing signs, his primary purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. And he didn't want that to get hindered. He came to rescue sinners. Not simply from disease. Or not simply from Roman oppression. But from sin and eternal damnation. 
That's what He wanted His focus to be. And beloved, that is our mission as His followers, is it not? That is our mission. That is the main thing. That we preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not out there offering a a Gospel to just enhance your life. Right? God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you'll just come and partake of this wonderful plan, you'll you'll have no problems. You won't have any flat tires anymore. You'll get the perfect parking place at the mall. You won't ever be sick. You'll always have money. No. (laughs) That's not it at all. You'll have forgiveness of sins. And guess what? A lot of people may turn on you. But you'll have eternal life. And God also, there's a lot of there's a lot of joy along the way as well. But that is our mission. That was his mission. So we're going to see that theme kind of over and over and over. Heals a person, says, Hey, just, just don't don't spread it to everybody right now. Most of them didn't listen. They're, they're so excited. But there's a reason why he was saying that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And just thank the Lord just for His mercy, guys, that He's willing to cleanse sinners like you and I. Father, we come before You. We thank You for Your, for your love, for Your grace, for Your compassion. Father, for Your willingness to stoop down and rescue us out of the pit. To cleanse us. Lord, not only to forgive our sins, but to cleanse us, to give us a righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, so that we are clean. We are righteous in your eyes, that you see your Son. It says in Revelation chapter 7 that they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for your blood that cleanses us. Father, thank You for these encounters that we read about. Thank You for Your Word that shows us who, who, what God is like as He walked this earth. And we should model our lives. Not that we can go around making lepers cleansed, but we can show compassion to people that the rest of the world deems aren't worthy of it. We can be compassionate. We can try to meet physical needs. Most of all, we can give them the hope that's in Christ. So Father, as we continue to look at the life of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Luke, Lord, I pray that we will not ever get sidetracked from that. That we will remember why it is You came. You came to seek and save that which was lost. And Father, let that be our desire, desire as well. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.